All right. How are we doing, church? You good? All right. Uh, my name is Josh, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor. Uh, we are honored that you're here today. Uh, that video has a special meaning to me. That is actually my brother-in-law and uh, one of his kids. And uh, anytime they get into trouble, he automatically grabs the video camera and starts filming. So we get to enjoy that together. Uh, but we're in week two of a series called, called what? Called You Got This. You Got This. And this is taken from the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're taking six weeks to look at all six chapters. Each week we're looking at a different I am statement. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that God says that you are chosen. And each week we're having a different artist in our church um, add to our wall behind us and uh, paint uh, that statement for us. So last week Alexandra painted the statement, um, I am chosen. And uh, you're chosen, God chose you to be in a relationship with him. Uh, God chose to be your father, and God wants you to be in a relationship with him. God chose you to be filled with his spirit. God wants to empower you to live life uh, the way he's designed you to live it. And today we're talking about grace, um, that I am graced. And uh, this is such an important topic. And my desire throughout this entire series is just really this, that you'd begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. That if you could see yourself the way that God sees you, you would know that you are loved, that you are chosen, that you are graced, right? If you could see yourself, and that's my prayer for you, that you'll begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. Amen, church? It is so, so important. If you don't begin to see yourself the way that God sees you, you will spend the rest of your life trying to work and achieve things that Jesus has already done for you. And he wants you to rest in who he has made you to be. So I'm, so, I'm fired up for this series. Uh, this is going to take us right up to Easter, and uh, it's going to be a great time together. So let me tell you about a time that I needed God's grace. Um, I grew up in the good old days when, when you turned 16, you got your driver's license that day right? Anybody with me? Like those are the good old days, all right? You got your driver's license on your 16th birthday. You went to the Secretary of State. You got your driver's license. I'm not sure what people were thinking, but that's how, that's how it works. <laughs> and so I hadn't had my driver's license for very long, and uh, I was driving home from basketball practice, driving my parents' brand new uh, Dodge Intrepid, <laughs> and uh, I was driving my friend home from basketball practice, and it was wintertime. There's a little bit of a dusting of snow on the ground. And I wanted to impress my friend and I wanted to show him how good my driving was. And that even though this was a front-wheel drive car, it is still possible to fishtail in the snow. All right? It's not impossible. It's just a little bit harder. You can still do it. And so I was showing him. We're not going very fast down a side street, about 25, 30 miles an hour probably, and started to kind of moving the wheel side to side a little bit. And the car started to fishtail. And uh, we were having lots of fun until we weren't having fun anymore. And so the car fishtailed a little bit too much. I couldn't bring it back. We slid off the side of the road, and we clipped the tree. And that tree spun us at around 360 degrees. And as soon as we hit that tree, the airbags deployed. It's hard to hide that, right? <laughs> the airbags deployed. You could smell the sulfur. You could smell the rotten egg smell. And uh, not fun, not fun. We kind of assessed the situation. We were, we were fine. My, my friend did hurt his knee from the airbag coming out, but we didn't have to go to the hospital. It was before the days of cell phones. So we hop out of the car, and we walk to the nearest neighbor's house, and we knock on the door and say, hey, can we use your phone? <laughs> 
and we begin making phone calls, who's the first person that I call? My dad, right? Hey, dad, <laughs> got a little bit of a problem. And I knew that I messed up. I knew that I was in trouble. And I deserved to be scolded. I deserved to be punished. Like, I made a really bad decision, didn't I? Uh, the car was totaled. Um, it was not good. And uh, I expected, um, and I should have, I deserved all those things. But my dad did something amazing, and my dad showed me grace. I needed grace in that moment, didn't I? My dad showed me grace. And I don't know if I blacked out or anything. I don't know what happened, but I don't remember my dad yelling at me. All I remember is my dad um, being gracious to me. Isn't that awesome? We're talking about grace, and I just want to express that uh, it's purely by God's grace that you and I have a relationship with him. We need God's grace so much, don't we? We need God's grace. Let's just pray for a minute and ask God to give us his grace. And Heavenly Father, I just pray in these next few moments that you would explain grace in a a way that I can't. God, I will use my words, I will use everything within me, the spirit you've placed inside of me to, to teach your word and to explain grace. But God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to see and feel what grace feels like. God, we need your grace. Some of us need grace for forgiveness of our sin. Some of us need grace for what we find ourselves going through. God, I pray that you'd give us your grace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The verses I want to focus on this morning are found in Ephesians chapter 2. And the key verses are verses 8 and 9. Can you guys say this out loud with me? It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And I don't know if you're interested in memorizing Scripture, but if you do, if you are, I would encourage you to memorize these verses. These verses tell us plainly what Lisa talked about, that we are saved by grace alone. It is only grace that you are saved. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn your standing before God. It is God's grace that is poured out on you. It is grace. So I want to talk for just a few minutes on a couple questions. First question is, what is grace actually? Uh, Because culturally, we don't talk about grace a whole lot, do we? In culture, when we use the word grace, we're talking about prayer before a meal, right? Can somebody please say grace? We're talking about maybe uh, somebody dancing beautifully or moving. They're, they're so graceful in how they move, right? Something like that. Or maybe we talk about a grace period, like when you're late on making a payment. Uh, there's a grace period, right? So that's how we refer to grace, but those are not what the Bible is referring to when we talk about grace. It's not complete enough. It's not complete enough. So there's a Greek word behind the English word. The Greek word is the word charis, and it simply means unearned and unmerited favor unearned and unmerited favor. Um, Let me give a quick comparison between mercy and grace. Um, It's been said that mercy is not getting something that you do deserve, such as punishment. I deserved punishment, right, for what I did. My dad showed me mercy. Um, I'll give an example. Um, For those of you who have not seen the original Karate Kid, this is the only good Karate Kid movie that exists. Um, And at the very end of this Karate Kid movie, Mr. Miyagi, who's the good guy, 
has the bad guy, the bad dojo owner in his grips, and he says, make a choice, live or die. You guys remember this? If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Maybe not. <laughs> there may be some things in there that I don't remember. But, um, but he says, live or die, and he's getting ready to deliver the blow, and the guy says, die. He chooses the bad option, and Mr. Miyagi says, you chose wrong, and then he, he honks his nose, which I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, this is how it goes, all right? But that's, that's mercy, right? He shows him mercy in that moment. Grace, on the other hand, is getting something that you don't deserve. It's when you receive something that you haven't earned. It's a blessing or it's a gift. Uh, for example, a few months ago, a friend of mine gave me a Bible, uh, this Bible right here. And uh, it, I, didn't, I didn't do anything to earn it, didn't do anything to deserve it, but my friend just said, here's a gift for you. Um, that's grace. So when the Bible talks about grace, it's kind of both of those things combined. It's mercy, not getting something we do deserve, but it's also grace, getting something that we don't deserve. Um, I read this in one of the commentaries studying for today. It said this, Grace is God's undeserved favor, and it's his power that enables us to do with ease what we could never do on our own with any amount of struggle and self-effort. So grace is God's forgiveness, but it's also his strength in your life to endure what you are facing. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, watch movies, but there's a movie that came out in 2012 based on a novel written in the late 1800s uh, by an author by the name of Victor Hugo. Anybody know the, the novel and the movie? Les Mis, Les Miserables. And so in the movie, there's a character who is in prison for 19 years. He finally gets released from, from prison, but he doesn't turn from his ways. He skips his bail, and he continues to steal and cause problems. But somebody shows him grace, and it changes him. Go ahead and watch this clip. Grace doesn't make sense, but it's a kindness that God shows to us that is undeserved. God shows us grace. So the next question I want to wrestle with is the question, um, isn't there grace enough for everyone? I think one of, the, one of the questions we struggle with in our culture is we see kind of two extremes. We see people who say that God is mean and angry and you have to earn his favor. And we're tempted to feel that way sometimes. Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes that's why people go to church. That's why people do good things is because they want to make sure that they're they're satisfying God. But then the other extreme says that uh, God loves us, God is a God of grace, and God just forgives everything, right? Except maybe people who, who, uh, who are bad dressers uh, and people who are really bad people like Hitler. But other than that, God just forgives everything. That's kind of the narrative we see in our culture, right? But we see something different in Scripture. We see a balanced perspective that God is a God of justice, but that God is, God, is also a God of grace. Let me give you some examples. Jesus said this in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. He said this. He said, be, what does it say? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So one of the things we say is, I'm just human. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Right? So God should just show grace to everyone. But Jesus is saying there's a higher expectation be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father. It's like, I can't do that. I can't be perfect. Can you, you know, like, if, you, if that's you, talk to me after service. I want to learn some secrets, right? <laughs> so there's an expectation. God doesn't just release expectation, but then we see this in Romans. 
um, says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God or God's standard, but we're all justified freely by his grace. So grace is available at the same time that God has these expectations of us. Does that make sense? So is there grace enough for everyone? The answer is absolutely yes, there is. There's grace enough for everyone, but it must be applied. Somebody has to pay for the sin, and that's what Jesus did. That Jesus took on our sin in our place, but we have to receive that. We have to put our faith and trust in that. The early part of Ephesians chapter 2, um, Paul is laying out the argument that, of what our life looked like before uh, we trusted Christ. And here's what he says. He says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, As for you, um, says you were dead in your sins, your transgressions and sins. So basically saying our, our position with God without Jesus is that we are separated from him. Right? We can't earn it. We can't be good enough to get it back. But we are separated from God because of our sin. But then the verses we looked at at the beginning says we are saved by grace, right? Through faith. It is God's gift. So God does hold us accountable for our sin, and it's accepted through Jesus Christ. So I told you about my brother-in-law at the beginning. Uh, I have another video of one of his sons. They've got three sons, and uh, this one just cracked me up. Uh, Maybe only an uncle, but I think you guys will find this uh, pretty adorable as well. Go ahead and just watch this. Oh, no, Milo. I said sorry. What did you do? I said sorry. What did you do over here? I said sorry. Milo, Rhett. I said sorry. I said sorry. Okay, Uh, Daddy will see if we can get it off. That is not good. That is very naughty. (laughs) again i don't know why his first instinct is to grab the video camera but maybe that's part of the punishment is having to face the camera right so god when we are truly sorry for our sins um god shows us grace when we repent when we turn from our sin god shows us grace that's amazing isn't it that's a miracle that's god's gift it's god's gift it's amazing to me, uh, this is a true story, in October of 2019, um, there's a lottery uh, uh, winnings of almost $1.6 billion uh, that went unclaimed. Someone bought a ticket from a KC Mart in South Carolina, and as of today, those winnings have not been claimed. You better check your tickets, right? Can you imagine Somebody bought that ticket and has not claimed their winnings. They have six months to claim it. If they don't claim it in six months, they don't get it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Somebody told me after a second service that what they do is they actually take all the, the state takes the taxes and stuff off the top, then they actually cut a check to the residents of that state. He said at one point uh, they got a check for $50 (laughs) because of it. Isn't that crazy? But if you don't claim it, you don't get it. It's the same thing with with, uh, grace through Jesus Christ. It's available to all, but we must receive that. We must put our weight on that, what Jesus has done for us. Does this make sense? So there's enough for everybody, but it must be received. 
Um, I think another question that's an important question, because it's easy for us to accept that God has grace for other people. What's hard, though, to accept that God has grace for us? Yeah, for us. So the question is, is there enough grace for me? And the resounding answer is yes. There is more than enough grace. Picture grace as something that overflows and doesn't stop overflowing. God's grace doesn't run out for you. See, part of accepting God's grace for your life is also learning to forgive yourself for what you've done. Right? Because we can accept God's forgiveness, but oftentimes forgiving ourselves can seem a little bit harder. But if you can accept God's forgiveness for yourself, then you should also forgive yourself. Grace covers you. Um, someone else who was struggling with this, um, in a book I read recently, she said this. She said, I didn't, know how, uh, I didn't know much, but what I did know was that I wasn't willing to go any further without a sense of God's presence. I desperately needed to know that God was good, not just as a general characteristic of his will or his person, but that he was good, what does it say, toward me. That you need to know that God has grace for you. God is good toward you. God loves you. Um, I love this sign that I saw or that I, that I read about. Um, it was on the side of a plumber's van. So picture a plumber's van. And it had this slogan on the side. It said, there's no place too deep too dark or too dirty for us to handle, right? <laughs> Can you picture that? All right, you're welcome. All right, sorry. Um, but it's, it's an explanation of the gospel, right? That there's nothing that you could possibly do that God doesn't have enough grace for. Absolutely nothing. Um, there's a German uh, theologian that said it this way. This is powerful. When we return to God... Even if our sins were as great in number as all of mankind's are together, still God would not count them against us, but would have as much confidence in us as if we had never sinned. Isn't that powerful? Even if you committed all the sins that have ever been committed, God still has enough grace for you. Praise God for his amazing grace in my life. Amen? God's grace is overwhelming. I heard somebody say one time that you can summarize the gospel in four words. Jesus in my place. That Jesus took your place and mine. We cannot earn our salvation, but it is a free gift from God to be received by faith. There is more than enough grace for you. So I want to talk about just two quick questions or two quick things. What does this mean for our daily lives? First of all, uh, because you are graced, if you are in Christ and you've received God's grace, you can live at peace. You don't have to worry about your standing before God. You can know that you are right with God, not based on what you do or have done, but based on what God has done for you. Amen, church? That I stand up here before you today in a relationship with God, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Completely because of what Jesus has done for me. That gives us peace. So have you received the gift of God's grace? 
One of the ways you can tell is that you are at peace. Jesus did it for you. You can't earn it. You receive it. I want to challenge you to let him grace you. Let him take your sin. Let him take your shame. Let him take anything in your life. Let him take it. It's his. And receive in its place God's sinless, perfect life through Jesus. You are graced. You are graced. Now here's the second question. Are you giving grace to others? Because I am graced, I am a person of grace. So one of the signs that you've received God's grace is you are able to be gracious toward other people. You're able to show them kindness. You're able to show them forgiveness. You're able to be gentle and kind with other people. That's a sign that you've accepted God's grace is that you can show people grace. Um, Jesus taught this in the Gospels. He gave an example of somebody who owed somebody a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. And they begged and they begged and they begged for forgiveness of that debt. And finally, that person forgave them of the debt. Then that person who was forgiven went out and found somebody who owed them a very small amount of money and demanded that they repay that money. And Jesus called this out and said, that shouldn't be that way. If you were just forgiven all of this, you should be able to forgive this person this. So because you have experienced the grace of God, then you can show grace to other people. Because I am graced, I want you guys to hear this application, I can show grace in my marriage. Anybody say amen? Amen. Elbow the person next to you, all right? Because I am graced, I can show grace in my family. I am empowered by God to be a gracious person. I can act in grace. I don't have to lash out in anger. I am not an anger-filled person. I can be a grace-filled person because I am graced. See, what happens is um, God participates with us. He says, I am with you. Um, It's kind of like when you ask a, a child to clean up something. I know for our kids, we have a basement play area. And they, they, it's their, their area just to have fun. They just go down, they just tear it up, they have fun. And then every once in a while, we come down as parents and we say, okay, kids, it's time to what? Time to clean up. Time to clean up. This, the clean up song used to work. It doesn't really work. <laughs> they're past that stage. We say, hey, it's time to clean up. And they're, they're not exactly excited about that idea, right? But as soon as mom or dad say, hey, we'll help clean up with you, it changes it, right? It says, all right, I've got some help. That's what the gospel, that's what God's grace is. God doesn't just say, you know what, you're forgiven, good luck. He says, you're forgiven, and now I'm in your life. I'm helping you to clean up the mess as well. That's the second part of God's grace. You're forgiven, and now I'm going to help empower you to live this kind of grace-filled life. You guys tracking with this? That is what grace does for us. It reminds us that God jumped into our mess and our lives, and he works to help clean it up with us. Uh, So we're motivated by his power and his grace. So I want to just wrap up with this. I want to encourage you. Um, I know what it's like to be pushing against God. I know what it's like to be angry with God. I know what it's like to be resisting the work of God in my life. I just want to encourage you, don't do that. Allow God's grace to wash over you. 
Um, so my story is that I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in Port Huron, Michigan. Uh, my dad's a pastor, so I'm a PK. If you, if you don't know the, lang- the lingo, I'm a PK, which means pastor's kid. Um, sometimes uh, pastor's kids uh, struggle, right? Because um, sometimes the, the microscope or that environment can be difficult to grow up in. But it wasn't for me because my parents modeled for me what it meant to really have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? So it was, it was modeled for me. I became a Christian at a very young age, and I continued to follow Jesus. Um, but along like the, my, my mid to late uh, teenage years, um, I didn't become a drug dealer, all right? If that's you and that's your story, then I, God's grace is amazing, right? But my story is, though, that I did have in my heart, though, I knew that I was not following God the way that he wanted me to. Does that make sense? I just had in my heart just saying, God, you know what? I know that, that you're here, I believe in you, but for right now, I want to do my own thing. And I knew that. I knew that I wasn't where I, I was supposed to be. But I had this strong sense that if I pushed hard enough, if I fled hard enough from God, that God might at some point say, Josh, if that's what you desire, then you can have what you desire. I think we see that a couple places in Scripture as well. The, the people of God, the Israelites, they wanted a king, and God said, no, I'm, I'm your king. They said, no, we want an earthly king like the other nations have kings. And God said, okay, if you want a king, you can have a king. And it didn't go well for them. <laughs> right, there's other, other examples of God eventually says, if that's what you desire so badly, I will give that to you. But my prayer consistently during that season of my life was, God, please don't let me go. I just didn't want, I didn't want that tether between my God and myself to, to go. Does that make sense? But God in his grace continued to hold on and pull me. So I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. I want to I encourage you to cry out for God's grace. Just say, God, give me more of your grace. Can we do that this morning? Will you guys go ahead and just close your eyes with me as we pray? And Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so much for your amazing grace. God, I'm here with a room full of people and we just all know this morning, God, we need your grace. More than we could possibly realize, we need your grace. We need your grace to forgive us of our sin. We need your grace to change our hearts. We need your grace to give us strength to endure. God, please flood us with your grace. Remind us that, that you are enough. God, when we are weak, you are strong. God, help us not to resist, but help us to receive. It's hard for us to acknowledge, but God, I can't do anything to earn your salvation or to earn your favor. God, help help me to trust in your goodness. Help me to be overwhelmed by your grace. Thank you for gracing me. Thank you for interrupting the mess of my life and coming to me. Help me to put my my faith there and to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.